the net. I search through systems, peoples, and cities for these sprites. My family. Episode 12. As always, I am Daniel James. And I am Joey Morris. Hey, Joey, we've got some news this week. Some pretty huge news, I hear, actually. Yeah, like, like we've never had news before, really. We had the hinting at some news earlier this year, but now we have actual news. I know, and I, I'm pretty sure it's all because of us. Probably true. And our... What, five, six fans? Legions of fans, Dan. Legions. Six legions of fans, that's what I said. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah, earlier, I guess it was the end of last month, the end of September, They, uh, some, some guy came out and announced that, you know, they're re- rebuilding Mainframe Entertainment. Wait, wait, Mainframe Entertainment? I thought they were still around. Kind of. Uh, they kind of morphed into Rainmaker Entertainment. I forget the exact dates. But, yeah, the the studio that created Reboot and made uh, those other shows, Beast Wars, and there's some Spider-Man in there. Yeah, they uh, evolved into Rainmaker Entertainment. They made the movie that came out earlier this year, the Alien movie. Again, I forget what it was called exactly. Yeah, I don't remember what that was either. And hopefully Escape from Planet Earth is the one um, They're in process of building a Ratchet and Clank movie To be released in a couple of years Which I'm pretty excited about I, Have you actually ever, ever played Ratchet and Clank? Oh yeah, I uh, actually just played through the first one again Not too long ago As well as uh, part of the second one I can't remember if I finished that one but the I got first the, uh, still really holds up. I mean, it really does. Oh, yeah. I got the uh, um, high-def collection for PS3, so I oh, got like I... the first four on there. It's, it's pretty awesome. I found my PS2, and we that was the first game I played. Um, and Ratchet & Clank still, I mean, it's a great game. Oh, and absolutely. it looks good, too. I mean, I, I, you know, it doesn't look ancient. No. Not at all. Anyways, uh, end of it's September, so- they... Michael Hefferman came out and announced that, you know, they're going to be rebuilding Mainframe Entertainment. And they're going to they're going to be the uh television offshoot of Rainmaker essentially is my right. understanding of it. And, you know, with within Mainframe Entertainment, I mean reboot is a possibility to get back on on, on the small screen. So <sighs> see some more stuff. I mean, I'm excited. Yeah, they announced that they are working towards two TV series. 
Uh, one is called Tiger's Apprentice, based on a trilogy of young adult novels by award-winning author Lawrence Yep. And the other is an all-new version of the popular Reboot franchise, taken from RebootRevival.com. Those quotes are where there's a nice little article talking all about it. So, yeah, they're allegedly working on more Reboot. Which I think can only be good. I mean, I, I we talked about it um, in a previous podcast. You know, what is it going to look like? Is it going to keep the original design? And I, honestly, I just want to see it come back. I, I'm not too particular on how it looks. Um, but, you know, it, it was cutting edge in the early 90s. So I think we can still do a little cutting edge now and change change the luck personally. I mean, a lot of time has cha- passed since the, and you know, since it first started 20 years. Um a lot of things have changed. I, I, I think it'll be great to come back. Um, and, you know, it's not like the characters have to be any older. <laughs> yeah, so. for sure. However, uh, there's another uh, post over on Rainmaker's website that uses a lot of quotes from Mike Hefferon. Oh. And it, so, yeah, pretty legit. And it, it talks about how it's going to be a pretty different show because the world has changed so much. Right. Uh, so we might not be, it's probably not going to be a show based around Bob and Dot and Enzo. It'll be somewhere else in the world of reboot and we might get some, uh, some nice little cameos from them is essentially the gif, the gist of that post. I mean, they've created an awesome universe, a universe of endless possibilities. I mean, they could do anything. So as they get some good writers in there and get some dedication to it, I mean, it'll be a great show regardless. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, It is yet to be determined if that show does come on the air, whether or not we will be covering it. I'm leaning towards yes, but that is at least a year out and we don't know where we're going to be in a year. So we'll cross that bridge when it comes, but yeah, uh, no promises, but we remain hopeful. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Um, what, what do you think about having a different show than what we're used to? Well, like I said, I mean, the the universe is, is full and endless, so they can do so much. I mean, we barely tapped into the web in the, in the Mm -hmm. third season. Yeah, and you know we, that could just be expanded exponentially, and you could create a whole new cast of characters. I mean, I love our characters. Don't get me wrong, but you know, um, everybody loved Captain Kirk, and Picard is just as popular, if not more so. And that was you know a good span of time in between to keep a franchise alive. You've got to invigorate it, and you've got to make it different. And uh, I think reboot is worth keeping alive. So I'm okay with a new cast of characters, if that's even going to happen. I'm okay with it looking a little different. I I think they created the bedrock of a great show, and I think they can still use that uh, framework to create a completely different good show. Absolutely. Uh, what, what about you, Dan? Yeah, I'm of the same mind that I'm excited for it. It's, it's going to be different. It's, to use a more recent example it's like uh legend of korra versus avatar the last airbender they're they're both very different shows but they're in the same world and they're both really good on their own merit i only saw the first few of legend of korra and i didn't care for it but i've heard from so many people that it got 
really good. And yeah. I, I need to go and that's on my to-do list is finish that. I really like it because of the world that they built in that one. Uh, it, it's very noir-esque, especially in the first couple. And yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's good stuff. But again, I, it, it's completely different from Avatar The Last Airbender, even though it's set in the same world. Sure. And they do have nods back to the original characters, which is why I use that as a comparison, because that's what I'd like to see in an, a new reboot series. Sure, absolutely. So, yeah, that's that's that. That's our big news. So keep your fingers crossed. Uh, send some shout-outs over to Bring Back Reboot, uh, hashtag Bring Back Reboot. Let them know that, you know, you're supporting them, and they've done a good job so far, and keep 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 it going yeah they've done a little better at uh keeping up and posting news than than we have but uh yeah so definitely keep up with bring back reboot because they you know on that facebook page they broke it there i mean it you know they keep up pretty uh current news on there so go for it awesome well that's that's enough of that let's uh Let's get into the reason why we're here today. Absolutely. Would that be reboot? Uh, absolutely it would. <laughs> and it looks like I've got the first episode. Those rebel scum. Will they never learn? Can this get any worse? Reach for the sky! Yeah, nobody move! They, they can't move. I mean, I mean if okay, they're gonna reach okay. for the sky, reach they for the can't... Sky and, and then, then don't move! move. Yeah. We'll dive right in. We're finishing off season three today. So we'll start with episode 3.4.1, titled Mega Frame. Originally aired January 3rd, 1998. Written by Catherine Lawrence and story by Gavin Blair, Catherine Lawrence, Dan Didio, Phil Mitchell, and Ian Pearson. In this episode, the saucy mare has made it to their destination in one piece, which is more than can be said of mainframe. Bob and Matrix scout the war-ruined systems for signs of life only to be found by a reprogrammed hack-and-slash who take them to be reunited with Dot, Mouse, and the mainframe Resistance. Megabyte seeks to open a portal and escape the dying system of mainframe. So, Joey, what would you think of this one? Um, I thought it was a pretty great episode. Uh, You know, we talked about it last week, how... um, you know, I just wanted to see what happened when they got back to mainframe, which, of course, we saw them enter mainframe uh, at the end of last episode of, of Mainframe Chronicle. Um, and we think to see what actually happened. And, you know, it opens up and the, the place is just desolate. Uh, it's dark. It's drab. I mean, it's what you expect, I suppose, uh, from a war-torn uh, megabyte uh, war. And we haven't been back to mainframe since what the third or fourth episode of season three so a lot and um you know as soon as we see this extremely like uh war-torn desolate area i mean we we just got to know the story and the pacing of the episode was great and i think the the acting of the characters was great but uh what did you think dan yeah i really really liked it uh especially the um the design of the destroyed mainframe is just wonderful. And the 
structuring of this episode was really cool too where it's Bob and Enzo or Bob and Matrix wandering mainframe and like looking at the clues of what happened since they were gone and and then we see the flashbacks of it actually happening yeah I mean it reminded me of of any kind of crime show where they say like psych really I mean they do Mm -hmm. a pretty good that where you know Sean will well obviously this happened and then you see it happening you know in the, in the past or in Sean's mind's eye and this is I mean it, it kind of took the same kind of concept here and I thought it was awesome um, hexadecimal is amazing <laughs> it, you, I forgot how powerful she was as a virus yeah the, the fact that she can break out of the firewall and just destroy everything it reminded me of, I, I can't remember what episode it was, but when Megabyte was talking to uh, Doctor about, uh, you know, how long can we keep her controlled? And he was like, honestly, I don't think that we're even, you know, she wants to be here at this point. We, we're not controlling her. Um, and that, you know, that just is resonant of how powerful she is. Yeah. I think that was either Firewall or Game Over, episode three or four of this season. I can't remember, but I just thought, I mean, that's a great moment. <laughs> and it made me think about that when she just blows up the tour and just breaks down the firewall, something Megabyte couldn't even do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Um, it, as the season went on, like it, it got, it became more of a overall arc. Whereas these last four, uh, which is partially why we're doing all four, is that these last four are their own arc, hence the episode numbering where this is 3.4.1. Right. This is the first episode of the fourth arc in the third season. So, Which, you know, poses a bit of a problem, and we'll talk about this later on, but, you know, when at the end of every season we talk about our favorite and least, you know, least favorite and, and, and most favorite episodes, it's difficult because all of these... We had one big arc in the middle, and we got another big arc here, you know, so it's hard to enjoy each individual episode, but we'll get to that in the future. Yeah, and it, and it makes it difficult to find things to talk about in each episode, which is right. the point I was trying to make when I brought it up. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, because we'll be referencing forward and backwards the entire time. We'll do our best, but um, what did you think of the first dot episode, or first dot episode, the first dot intro? I liked it. It was it was nice, uh, nice change. Uh, it's actually what we're going to be using for the intro to this episode, if I remember. Um, and yeah, it's it's a nice change getting a woman's perspective, if you will. Yeah. And you know, Dot's an awesome character, and I I love how they do that. How the showrunners do that. You know, whatever character we're going to be focusing on a little bit more, they'll they'll change the entire title sequence for them. Yeah, and it's great. I, I I love it. Oh yeah, it, it definitely changes the mood of the show real quick, so you don't have to like adjust. You have that thirty minute or thirty second to minute intro to you know get into the mindset that they need you in for this episode. Sure, and I and I think that's a great way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that I thought, and this was in the episode. Um, you know, when Enzo rushes at the principal's office at one point, you know, he gets he he almost is, is going to die. I mean, he's just getting surrounded. He can't take them all on. And you just heard this steady heartbeat 
uh, behind Enzo. And I, I mean, it, that is just indicative of how uh, Reboot and the creators of Reboot are so concerned about the overall feeling that you're going to get from the episode. You know, it just really helps build that environment. You know, you're scared for Enzo because, you're I mean, you're hearing this pulsing behind him. You know, that kind of stuff. I, they just do a great job at blending that all together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we did we did get some pretty good animation. It was weird because throughout watching this episode, I, it felt to me like the episode had taken a step or two backwards. But then we get these really nice close-ups of... Uh, say when um sorry when uh dots first sees enzo like you see the range of emotions on her face like who are you wait is that enzo oh my gosh it's enzo oh my gosh i'm so happy to see him like you see her face go through that and there's not much dialogue in that moment and it's just it's really excellent to see that absolutely and it's not just the voice actors, you know, that are, are nailing it, which of course they do. But you're right, that animation, because you, they they held on Dot's face for a good 30 seconds probably, maybe a little less. And you, you see it, I mean, just the eye twitching and, and the facial expressions. And, you know, compared to the first episode of Reboot, you know, this mm. is, they have just, I, I we've talked about it, but it's just, they've grown exponentially in their talent. And it, I think that's a great showcase of um of of that of their growth yeah especially in only four years or so exactly exactly uh one thing i did really enjoy is how bob is back for eight seconds and already that love triangle between mouse and dot Mm -hmm. and bob is resurfacing Um, yeah i mean it's it doesn't even take eight seconds for that to surface like (laughs) We see Enzo come in, and Bob's not anywhere to be seen. And then as soon as we get that long shot of Dot, we turn back, and she sees Mouse, like, pulling Bob down and doing the the romantic kiss. Which is great for her character, because she's take charge. I mean, generally speaking, it's the guy that does that for Mm -hmm. a girl, but, you know, not Mouse. (laughs) She'll do it no matter what. And I, I, I thought that was a great character moment for her, too. She does that later on with uh, Ray Tracer as well. Yeah, which is great. Which is pretty funny. Uh, yeah. But then, then we get a perfect dot moment where she's like, uh, I love Bob, but, you know, if Bob's going to be with Mouse, then I don't want to ruin that for him. And you get this just great awkward moment between Bob and Dot as it's like, do we go in for a hug? Do we do a handshake? What do we do? It's just beautiful. And it's true, and it's just proof that Bob and Dot are would be an amazing couple if they ever got over this awkwardness because, um, you know, they both want what is best for the other. And, you know, if they're ever able to break those barriers, then, you know, they're going to be a great couple. But, you know, we'll see that later. Yeah. Cool. Good. You got any uh, fun references in this episode? Uh, the only one that I caught uh, was the Star Wars Episode Six reference. At one point, one of the lieutenants, I can't remember which one, uh, but when they start uh, bombarding the, uh, when the rebels start bombarding the uh, principal office, he just goes, those rebel scum, will they ever learn? You know, which is just a great Empire moment and from our favorite 
malicious galactic uh, empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I caught that one, and then there was a another one that was a little more subtle, and that was uh, Mouse. No, sorry, Andrea is on the saucy mare, and she just <laughs> looks out over the destruction, says, "Gavin, I've got a bad feeling about this," which is, of course, a classic Star Wars line. Oh, they yeah. say that way too much in those movies. I never caught that. That it, you're right. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the the nine seven one three production number um, that that Dot calls out, which was her uh, uh, evacuation code, which is a pretty standard reboot reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which is weird because this one came out in ninety eight, but the it, it was produced in ninety seven. It was apparently the thirteenth episode produced in nineteen ninety seven, which is ninety seven thirteen. You know, honestly, I never realized that that was the organization of the numbers. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, but it's not something you necessarily find out, but then once you realize it, it's like, oh, yeah, yep, yeah, okay. Uh, one thing I was thinking about with this episode, and I think I talked a little bit about it in the last Mainframe Chronicle, but there is a, a moment between Mouse and Dot where, you know, Dot admits that she feels really bad because she gave up on Bob because she lost hope. And, you know, Bob would never lose hope. And I, I, I get kind of tired of Bob being put on this, like, great ultimate pedestal. I mean, Matrix has been doing this this entire episode or this entire season. Dot's doing it now because they both have done amazing things without Bob. And Bob, for all we know, was a pirate and a raider. I mean, we don't know what he was doing when, when he was with the web, web creatures. You know, it, it could mm-hmm. he been doing terrible things to be a leader of of these pirates i mean they're they're not uh uh i shouldn't say pirates because that makes you think of gavin capacitor and the code i mean these guys look pretty rough and tumble you know and bob and it and matrix are doing or excuse me uh dot and matrix are doing these great things and you know they all feel like they're not worthy of bob and i don't know i that just annoys me a little bit yeah it's yeah I mean, if you go back to the first season, if he had left after that and then they were all like, yeah, Bob is going to save us. We need Bob. That would make sense. Right. Because first season, although Bob wasn't as, you know, heroic as he, he was made out to be and he was saved by Dot a lot of times, like he he was much more than, you know, he... he seemed to be or seems to be nowadays comparatively no i agree yeah uh, dot and matrix are both much more heroic than they ever were before so yeah and i to clarify i'm not complaining about the writing or anything i think it's good writing it's just the characters themselves not realizing their full potential exactly what it is i'm not complaining about like the show itself i'm saying the characters need to need to suck it up you're actually saying that the writing is so good that the characters have these flaws exactly that that's a good way of putting that that's why that's why i like talking yeah (laughs) good uh on that note are are you good like shall we move on uh the only thing we didn't talk about was uh fong's torture and i feel like we should probably mention that yeah i mean we see more of it in the next episode but it, it is really creepy it is. Um, and, you know, it's kind of an old trope 
in these kind of, uh, you know, where the, the, the elder gets tortured or died. I mean, I, you know, to this day, I have an issue when Dumbledore dies or, you know, when. Spoiler alert. I, well, yeah, excuse me. Spoiler alert if you haven't found out. Uh, but just, I mean, it's an old trope, but it still gets me all the time because you've got these wide old, wise old leaders that are, you know, getting the crap beat out of them. And Fong, but Fong fights. But, you know, we can talk more about that. You're right. It's probably more prevalent in the uh, in the second episode. Cool. Oh, uh, I, yeah. What? You want to move on to showdown? Why don't we do that? Take it away. I'm glad to see you too, Fong. Where's Megabyte? Behind you, Enzo! The boy, Enzo. Why, yes, it is. Young Enzo Matrix, home from the games. My, how you've grown. And such toys. Does your sister know you're playing with them? Where is that annoying chatter of yours? Mega breath this and mega bath that. Why don't you put that gun away, boy, and try fighting like a real sprite? All right, so... Uh, the next episode we're going to talk about today is episode 3.4.2, uh, which is called entitled Showdown. It was the original air date was January 10th, 1998. Uh, it was written by Len Wein, uh, which in the story was by Gavin Blair, Dan Adio, Phil Mitchell, Ian Piercing, Len Wein, and Marv Wolfman. Uh, the summary of the episode is uh, the mainframe resistance, which is Glitch Bob, Matrix, Andrea, and the software pirates hatch a plan to take back the principal office. Matrix alone must fight, face Megabyte, who is trying to access the web. Meanwhile, Glitch Bob gets tied up uh, in, oh, excuse me, gets tied up with Hexadecimal. So, Dan, what do you think of this episode? It's good. I think it's a, a small step up from the previous one. Um, we get more into what's actually going on in this little arc. And we get to see Hexadecimal a bit more, which is always always a treat. Agreed. Um, I, I loved how they opened the show, which is they're kind of zooming in on um, just the destruction of mainframe and how the binomes are trying to live and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's, again, just a great touch to uh, uh, the atmosphere of the show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then the little bit of a twist where Saucy Mare is heading towards their fleet, the uh, Megabytes fleet. And they just keep shooting at it, and it's not changing course. And then it turns out it's full of explosives and blows up most of the fleet. Which is a good move. Um, I was extremely sad to see the Saucy Mare go. I kind of saw their tactic a little bit before they showed the audience, and I was like, tell me they're not going to blow up the Saucy Mare. Tell me they're not going to. Yeah. But, of course, you know, someone's got to die to move forward, and the Saucy Mare is probably the best bet. Yeah, definitely least emotional. Agreed. Although I do have a note that says, Long live the saucy mare. Which, is, I mean, it's, it's, a good, uh, it's a good phrase for it because she sacrificed everything she had uh, for mainframe, which is interesting. I, I guess 
Captain Capacitor is just too far invested in this to have turned away at this point. I mean, sacrificing his livelihood for mainframe is really shows you the, the true character of this pirate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good episode. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of fighting. A lot of uh, fighting. A lot of uh, creepy hexadecimal. Yeah, what'd you think about that, hexadecimal and Bob? That was pretty interesting. It was a nice little story. Uh, it's got, you know, her, she's she's got him tied up and trying to seduce him as she always does, which is has always been a little weird, but it was right. even more weird today for some reason. Probably because we haven't seen it in quite a while. <laughs> And then he's like, you know, I can probably fix your cracked face. And so he does, because he's Glitch Bob, and Glitch Bob can do that kind of thing. Yeah, we, we still don't really know the limits of Glitch Bob and what is Glitch Bob. And, you know, they haven't really described that yet. But so far, we've found that he's extremely powerful. So uh, it, it's interesting to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he fixes her face and she's like this is the first time i've ever felt whole and you're like is is this a turning point for her i don't know i don't don't know know. and my whole thought process is you know she embodies chaos and even if she's good i mean it's going to be chaotic so it's she's still very dangerous is my point in that Mm -hmm. yes she is as Jack Sparrow always said, you can always trust the dishonest ones to be dishonest. It's the honest ones you have to watch out for. And that, you know, that's very true, so. So, yes, you can always count on hexadecimal being crazy. Agreed. Uh, I love how in the fighting, Mouse just goes insane, and she's, you know, everyone else has all these guns and these, you know, ABCs, and she just got this. You know, katana. She's like Michonne from The Walking Dead. She just yes. runs around with this katana. It's great. Yeah, and then of course we get the duel between Matrix and Megabyte, which was amazing. It was so cool. Uh, it did remind me a little of the X Men, the first X Men movie, with uh, um, Wolverine fighting uh, Sabretooth on top of the. Uh, what's it called? Statue uh, of Liberty. That's yeah. It, it just because oh. uh, he's got his Wolverine claws and it's a big rounded surface and he throws people around and stuff. Yeah, it's actually really funny. Uh, at one point, I wrote down, "Is Megabyte's claws made of adamantium?" <laughs> as a joke, and then uh, you know, um, uh, Matrix takes. Andrea's uh, trident and breaks them and so my next note was oh guess not <laughs> yeah so they, they essentially what they do is they break into the principal office and are there to rescue Fong and defeat Megabyte, Megabyte. Uh, so Enzo's standing there with Fong like trying to get him out and then Megabyte sneaks up on him I didn't find that plausible yeah, mostly because I feel like the first thing that Fong would say was, Megabyte is here, you know? 
that and also how long has Enzo been in the games, you know, honing his military skills? <laughs> he should be able to hear Megabyte, who's probably not great at stealth, sneak up behind him. That's true, and he's got that little mad-eye, moody eye. You know, he's probably, you know, always looking behind him. Nice. Only, what, half hour? Yeah. Mm. Something like that. <laughs> A little slow today. Sorry uh, about that. I apologize. It, it's all right. We'll we'll make it work. Good, good. No, I guess I guess you did get it a little earlier with the uh, Dumbledore. Anyways, <laughs> not important. Um, you know, I we saw a good moment I think between Andrea and uh, Matrix again, which I I just want to point out that there's often times that you know in the first season where. You know, Bomb does all these amazing things, but we talked about how, you know, Dot was kind of a power behind the power, not to discredit Bob, but Dot was able to push things forward. And Andrea does the same thing for Matrix. You know, she's able to, at the right moment, motivate him and say the right things to get him going. And, uh, you know, she really prepared him, I think, for this megabyte fight. Yeah, absolutely. And then she shows up and tosses her trident at them and almost hits Enzo in the head, but, you know, he's... <laughs> quick enough to duck out of the way so it hits the wall instead yeah that episode would have ended a little differently if andrea accidentally killed yeah tricks. this uh, entire series would have ended a little differently it did annoy me a little bit but i mean it's it's a great matrix moment when he decides to throw down the gun and fight megabyte you know hand to hand which you know just annoys me because he could end that right then and there he had the upper hand he mm. had you know use death blossom mode and just be done with it but because he's matrix you know and that's part of his character and i love it and but it's you know annoying that he had to throw it down and and try to fight him like a man yeah it did it did have a good line around that point though where mega bites all like hey where's that annoying banter of yours mega breath this mega barf that (laughs) which is great and tony J, who's the uh, voice for megabyte just you know, of course, nails every single line when he says this stuff and mm-hmm. just has such a resonance to it that, you know, neither one of us could ever uh, live up to. But uh, no, you're right. That was a great moment. Great line. Probably my favorite line of the episode. Easily. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I That's the only one I wrote down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, references or anything? References. Um not really a reference but kind of a reference to a previous episode the numbers that they're extracting from fong's head before we get into that let's talk about fong's torture oh yeah good point it's just his disembodied head with a few wires hanging down stuck in like this glass bulb i guess is a good word for it and they're just like zapping him and extracting the data that they need for the code to make the tear become a portal yeah, and he fights as, you know, tooth and nail and slows it down. And because of that, you know, they're able to, you know, stop Megabyte from opening this tear and stuff. But if Fong would have just given up, they would have had no time to do any of this. Mm-hmm. And, you, I mean, he, his shrieks, I thought, were great. I mean, it, you truly felt his pain. Yeah, it's, it's awful to watch, but beautiful to see. I agree. It's great storytelling, but, ugh. Um, Anyways, um, yeah, the code that they extract is 
uh, numbers are actually related to the letters. They're the ASCII codes, and they spell out yada, yada, yada. Which is Fong's favorite password for everything. Yes, and I, I believe I might actually start using that one. Well, now you told everybody, so I don't know if that's a good idea. Exactly, but how many yadas am I using? Am I using two? Am I using three? Who knows? You'll that's never true. know. <laughs> um, on one of the ABC missiles, they had the FGD-135, uh, which I only mention because it's part of my one of my favorite movies. Have you ever seen Doctor Strangelove? Oh, yes. It is Great so movie. good. And uh, the radio operator gets a very loud radio transmission, and it says FGD-135, and so that was put in there. And I love Dr. Strangelove. It, you know, they, my favorite part is the alien hand syndrome, which is a real, actual disease where your hand will be not really part of your body and does its own thing, and it's just kind of a creepy disease. So it's, it's a great movie, so I wanted to mention that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but that's the only reference I had. Really? That's surprising. Because I'm reading here on the wiki that there's one about Star Trek. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, to be specific. I'm trying to think. I, d- I don't know. Oh, when they blow up the Enterprise? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It says the dialogue and the visuals are near perfect re- recreation. So... I didn't catch that now, but now that you now that you mention it, it makes total sense. It did make me, th- and I didn't write it down because it doesn't really matter. But uh, when the Saucy Mare blew up, it for some reason it made me, made me think of uh, Star Trek Voyager because in that series, I think the ship blows up like six times. I mean, it's <laughs> obnoxious, you know, but it always somehow rolls back to where it's okay. You know, well, I was naturally. kind of I was co- hoping that the Saucy Mare would just somehow reboot, but you know, I don't. Uh, but yeah, overall, it was a great episode. I, I think you're, we're obviously building up to the end of the season, um, and just a lot happened, and a lot is going to happen, and it's, like we said earlier, it's hard to break them down, but it was a great episode, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple more quotes uh, they've got towards the end. Uh, I think it's Megabyte, or not Megabyte, Matrix says, Megabyte will endure. And that's a reference to another one of Mainframe Entertainment's shows. Wait, wasn't, wasn't that Mainframe Will Endure? Yeah. Yeah. You Maybe. said Megabyte, I think. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Mainframe Will Always Endure. It's apparently a reference to Mainframe Entertainment's War Planets Shadow Riders series. Yeah, I've never so. heard that before. Have you? Mm-mm. No, but it sounds like something that it might be worth checking out. Yeah, and the guy who said it, I mean, obviously Matrix says it here, and the character in this War Planets is Graveheart who says it, and uh, the same actor uh, voices both Graveheart and uh, 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 Matrix. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I just, I'd never heard of this show before. Yeah, and it's just a good line. And, of course, we get the classic, this is bad, this is very bad. <laughs> but yeah, that'll that'll wrap up my thoughts on episode two showdown. Shall we yeah. onward? Press onward. Let's move on to the next episode. Okay. Now what's this about terrors? 
and mainframe? Undeleted RAM. They're being released by the instabilities in the system. Okay, so we know how they got here. Now, everybody pick a partner. Let's dance. Episode 3.4.3, .3, System Crash. Originally aired January 17th, 1998. Written by Marv Wolfman, and once again, stories by Gavin Blair, Dan DiDio, Phil Mitchell, Ian Pearson, Len Wein, and Marv Wolfman. In this episode, in an attempt to save Mainframe from a complete system shutdown, the sectors must be powered down. Glitchbob must enter the core to keep the principal office online. And to make matters worse, tears begin opening all over the city, releasing saved users from past games. Oh no. Oh. So Joey, what do you what do you think of System Crash? Uh, I thought it was good. Uh, you can tell that they were kind of this is going to be the last episode before the the, the, the finale, so they kind of I think slowed the action down a little bit. No, I shouldn't say slowed the action, slowed the story down a little bit. We had to deal with all these past games, and I, I think that was just kind of stretching the moment. Uh, it was good. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very creative way of doing that. I liked seeing all these past games. Uh, but yeah, it was overall a good episode. I, I saw what they were doing, but it, it was totally up. Uh, what about you, Dan? I agree. It, it was good. Uh, we get a lot of references to previous episodes and games and characters. But it, it, it wasn't, like, overwhelming in any means. It was very much a time filler between the previous episode and the next one. Right, right. It was creative on how they did it, I think. Um, but, yeah, no, that's exactly what this episode was. Yeah. Uh, who's your favorite character we got to meet again oh shoot um i guess that's zaytan that that big uh demonic guy that actually ended up taking out enzo and, and making him become matrix you know he just looks really cool and really satanic and mm -hmm. you know first time he's the first one that you really see come out and it made me i was at first i was like because i don't remember what damon looks like and so this this huge hulking demon comes out. My first thought was, oh my God, this is going to be Damon, you know? Um, but yeah, no, it was, I would probably have to choose him. Although Ash is always very awesome. Yes, very much so. I enjoyed like, seeing uh, glimpses of the uh, Sailor Moon binome, and oh, the, yeah. the Elvis impersonator binome. Those, uh, those were cool. Yes. <laughs> And Kiss, they were that was, even Gene Simmons was there. They had a yeah, tongue. for sure. <laughs> and of course, Ash is always good. Right. Uh, you would probably know this. Does Kiss really stand for Knights in Satan's Service? That I do not know. I thought you might. I was going to look it up because I've always heard that, and I wasn't sure if that was actually true or not. I'd believe it. It's possible. Um, did you see the uh, uh, fax modem and uh, what's his, what's your name Nully? Yeah, Dana Nolly. Yeah, yeah. 
There's a funny little note about that. Uh, modems holding up two signs. One says LA and one says BC. And that's because uh, they were filming... They were still filming, uh, what's it called? X-Files. Yep. And Mulder, the guy who played Mulder, David Duchovny, was like, hey, I want to move to L.A. Because they were originally filming in Vancouver, British Columbia. And he's like, I want to move to L.A. so I could be with my wife more. And I'm going to quit if you guys don't move production to L.A. And the X-Files was, this, I mean, just huge show. So, I mean, of course, if he's going to quit, then, you know, they'll move to L.A. But, um, you know, one thing, when we did the, the X-Files episode, it didn't occur to me that X-Files was going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. As, it, I don't know why I never made that mental leap, but that's pretty cool. And um, on a side note, I've, I've become really obsessed with Breaking Bad. And uh, I listened to Breaking Bad, the Insider podcast, where they, you know, executive producer Vince Gilligan and they get together with the cast and the crew and everything. And Vince Gilligan was a major player in the X-Files. And so they talk about the X-Files all the time. And it's, it's cool to see the uh, how the X-Files worked. And most of the people that, uh, I shouldn't say, most of the people on Breaking Bad um, crew-wise were on X-Files. And it's just just cool crossover. Um, so if you're interested in Breaking Bad at all or X-Files, you ought to listen to Breaking Bad Insiders podcast because really go on this backside uh, talk. I, I know it's just great. Yeah. Yeah, it is one of those weird connections, though, realizing that that's, you know, the same time as Reboot. Yeah. I, I'll have another one of those next episode, I'm sure. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, let's see. There was even Indiana Jones. Yeah, that was that was great. Getting chased by the giant eight ball through yeah. through this sector. Oh, that was fantastic. Um, I'm trying to think. There were so many of them. That might have been all of them. Princess Beulah comes back and snaps uh, one of the creatures' backs or necks. Forget which one it was. Uh, Oh, I think it was the one that ex- the escape from Alcatraz one. Yeah, the prisoner. Of- yeah, the prisoner does trying to escape from that ship. Yeah, it's good times. And of course, we get Mike the TV. Yeah, poor guy. Yeah. Which, we don't hate him this episode. Or at least I didn't. No, because he was only in there for four seconds. Yeah, and then everyone just yells at him. And it's <laughs> it's pretty sad. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know. Um, there was, oh, there was a couple really, and I want to point this out because there was a previous episode in this season where they made a lot of Star Trek episode or references, and it was just super annoying. Um, and I said it was a missed opportunity because they could have done so much with it, and they took the same references and used them in this episode. Um, and I thought it was perfect. Um, for example, at one point when Megabyte's trying to, uh, stop Bob you, through the simulation you know you can't win you can't win um, Bob is saying no I don't believe in a no win situation which is Kirk using the Kobayashi mirror which I, you know, it was just a great line I think it worked with the the, the situation it didn't feel forced uh, and it really worked out and of course just the whole concept of um, the main character running into a place they never really talked about it, some kind of radiation uh, that can't withstand uh, to save everybody, which of course Bob does. That's Spock in the 
Wrath of Khan and Kirk and Into the Darkness. And then uh, when they come out, you know, he says system uh, out of danger, which is, of course, Spock's eternal line, the ship out of So they use the same references in this episode, but I think they nailed it because I, it worked with the story and didn't feel forced to me like that entire episode, previous episode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, m- much, much better use of them. Um... I think I'm good on that one. Couple more lines. Alright, so we know how they got here. Now everybody pick a partner. Let's dance. Uh Ray Tracer's saying that as as yeah. all the tears open up and the, the users saved data and show up. Which is that's a really cool idea. Like that they're saved games and the users just start randomly appearing when the system starts shutting down it makes sense i mean your computer does weird things which you know i've always just kind of in the back of my my mind assumed that mainframe was an individual computer i mean we've kind of talked about that and you know with all these these this war going on in mainframe at any point the user could just destroy the computer or he could reboot it do whatever he wants to (laughs) like all this effort Assuming that mainframe is a single computer, all this effort, you know, could be thrown out the window if the user decides to wipe his hard drive or something. Yeah, for sure. I didn't really think about until this type until this last couple episodes. Yeah, and that that's kind of why if we get a new uh, series, it's going to have to be completely different. Is because nobody just has a single computer anymore now they've got you know the computer the iphone the netbook the uh what's it called the tablet yeah the smart tv the video game systems like it's gonna be completely different i agree and that's why and i think reboot has to move and evolve with the times uh for it to be relevant Mm -hmm. i will say one thing about this episode going back to to the different games that stinking raccoon shows up again and mm-hmm. I I'm <laughs> so mad I hate that guy I don't remember his name but I hated that whole episode <laughs> like so I did not enjoy him showing up Rocky the rabid cat raccoon that little uh yeah so then you know they save the day they get rid of all the saved games and then Fong says, we've survived Megabyte's Bane, but Mainframe is still doomed. Oh, no. And that's where we leave it. That yeah. is where we leave it. Bum, bum, bum. If we only move we had into our a- next episode. Last episode. Oh, wait, we do. Uh, which is, uh, you, you're, you're ready to move on? Yeah, let's go for it. You know, I could take you away from all this. I suppose you could, but I've stuck with these folks for too long to leave them now. (laughs) I must be getting soft. But you don't have to stay here, sugar. Everybody has to be somewhere. I particularly like it right here. So we got episode 3.4.4, which is End Prague. This is written by Ken Pontak. A story by Gavin Blair, Dan DeDio, Phil Mitchell, Ian Piercing, Len Wein, and Marv Wolfman. The summary is, the remaining inhabitants of Mainframe have survived Megabyte's bane, but the system is destroyed and dying. 
As their final hope, they must cause a full system crash to spur the user to perform a restart. Bob and Matrix must go against their programming and stay out of the dropping game, while Fong and Dot scan all the active PIDs. Uh, Bob convinces Fong to register hexadecimal with her own PID so she'll not be deleted in the restart. This episode ends with mainframe strolling player's summary performance. Dan, what'd you think? Great ending to the series. And then they made more episodes. But yeah, they they weren't planning on it, and so this is a great way to wrap up the series in, as a whole. No, I think it's great, and actually, that's what I wrote down. Um, they left the whole Damon thing alone, I think, probably because if they get another shot at it, there they go. So there's still something there, but they tie this up really nicely, and um, it, w- it was just a great episode. It was a great ending to a season. It was a great ending to an arc. It was a great ending to a series. Um, I agree. Yeah, great ending all around. Uh, it, it was it was really cool to see, you know, if the user wins, it's going to kind of screw up the system. But that would make the user restart the computer. And, and like, re, revert to, yeah, system crash, restart, yes or no, why not? Do you want to restore it? Yeah, why not? And it's just slightly breaking that fourth wall of, you know, this is still inside a computer. Right. I mean, how many times have you have you personally seen that uh, that screen on your computer? More than I would like. Oh, me too. And just imagine every single time you're creating you're destroying lives, Dan. Mm -hmm. Every time you win a game, you're destroying sprites. That's okay, because you'll just restore and make a run come back. I know, it's very convenient, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like playing God. Yeah, that's true. That's Which true. is why Fong is like, praise the user or thank the user. It's like Indian in the cover. I'm mm-hmm. not sure ready for that power yet. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll just, uh, when we first start out with the episode, I, they kind of go through... Uh, mainframe again you get to see you know all these uh refugees and they're <laughs> they're standing in line for a toilet which you know the poopy diaper i think was a nice little touch yeah uh, <laughs> but i mean that it, it they're trying to figure out what to do next and they're trying to figure out what's with this desolation and what they're going to do and um like you said they decide to just take a gamble and and try and start all over because there's no way that they could survive the way that they are now Absolutely. Yeah, uh, and this is almost like two mini-episodes where we've got the system shutting down and then restarting. And then the, the, what are they, the mainframe strolling players recapping the entire season. I want to get that. I'm sure that's on iTunes or something. I want to get that opera. That is brilliant. Yeah. In case you missed the last 15 and a half episodes, here you go. <laughs> um, I, that, I mean, of course, because we, we've talked about it before, we've seen the mainframe strolling players, but they were, it was less theatrical before. But, you know, I, I love when shows do that. A lot of people don't. I like when in Avatar Last Airbender, when we saw the Ember Island players. Um, mm-hmm. I've just recently been going through a bunch of Batman cartoons, and I, I went through all of Batman Beyond. Nice. And, 
an episode as written by uh, Paul Dini. Actually, it's one of the few Batman Beyond episodes written by Paul Dini, and um, it starts out as Mr. Wayne's birthday, and they go to uh, the opera, and it's a Batman opera because you know, of course, if you're in Gotham, you probably have a Batman opera. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I love that kind of just takes you out of it for a second and i love it so i enjoyed this very much did it tell the story of like one of the batman the animated series episodes or arcs uh i don't think so they we didn't get to see a whole lot of it because of course uh bruce thought it was stupid and didn't want to be there and then he left and got shot and now we have batman beyond pretty much yeah (laughs) (laughs) on a quick side note i saw a picture of cheap costumes you can make and one of them was bruce wayne's parents where you just dress nicely and then have blood spatters but don't you also have to have like an eight-year-old boy running around with you Uh, potentially but yeah that was pretty ridiculous that is funny i like that i like that idea I went out the hangover from Halloween, and all I did was grow my beard out and wore aviator glasses. So, you know. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do appreciate how uh, the pirates, you know, the, the crew of the Saucy Mare, the whole world is being destroyed around them. But they are having a feast, and they're going to go down like pirates. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Going it. out, drinking some rum. It was perfect. Good. Yeah. Uh, I like that Bob gets Fong to register hexadecimal. Yeah. What do you think of that? Do you think that was a smart plan? I don't know. I don't remember what happens next season. I don't know what hexadecimal does. But I feel like, you know, Hex has, while she's caused a lot of problems, she's not really evil. Like, she's just chaotic. It's kind of like Loki. You know, he's he's never really evil. He's just likes to mess with things <laughs> and it results are usually you know they, they seem to be malicious but aren't necessarily so um i think you're forgetting the fact that had loki succeeded the earth would have been taken over by shatari and countless people would have died okay as a complex avengers his- aside <laughs> that that one plot he that that one's pretty malicious you can't really argue that one um Otherwise, like, in Thor, yeah, he's he's just, you know, he's got daddy issues. Yeah, he and has daddy issues and he feels left out. I always assume that's how my little brother feels. That's fair. You know, Thor really made me understand Justin a little better. That's good. <laughs> anyway, so back to Reboot. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed how uh, Hexadecimal called her little cookies biscuits. Mm-hmm. Uh, which confused me a little bit because it's a Canadian show and most Canadians don't call them biscuits so I don't really know what they were going for there because I mean that's more of an English Australian thing so I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know but at least in Ontario where I'm from they call cookies cookies and biscuits biscuits but maybe in Vancouver where this was produced maybe they call them biscuits I, I don't know that could be what did you think of uh, the surfer race surfer and mouse is good. They're a good match for each other. Yeah. I never thought about it until it happened, but I was like, why hasn't it happened? I mean, that's perfect. Yeah, like he's, you know, the cool surfer dude, bad boy kind of guy. And she's, you know, the pretty 
be a little uh, chick who, yeah. who has no real fears and kind of just does her own thing. So I think they're, I mean, and they both have proven that they are honorable people, uh, you know, underneath their tough exterior. So um, I think they're, yeah, they'll be a great, uh, great couple. And of course, this all leads to Bob and Dot. Yeah, they're finally together. And Fong takes a picture of them kissing. Which is perfect. I love Fong. I mean, that's <laughs> just, it's a classic. I mean, because he is paternal to both of them. So I, he would have that feeling of, oh, look at this. They're adorable. Yeah. You know, it just he just does a shrug. Like, yeah, what do you expect from me? You know, <laughs> like, uh, I thought it was great. Yeah, well, I just realized we kind of forgot to mention that, you know, they found Fong's body. Hack and Slash found their body, and he got put back together. So he's like a sprite again, and not just a head. That's true. Oh, and we forgot about another pair that was hinted at. Uh, Speckles and Princess Bula. Yeah, Specky and Bula. <laughs> uh, gotta have the awkward, kind of adorable but mostly awkward couple. That always gets me, like in so many different um, books and shows, you know, they have half giants, like Hagrid. How does that, how do you have a half giant? How could they produce children? I mean, just anatomically, that doesn't look like that's possible, but you know, we don't have to talk about the birds and the bees here. I don't see how it works. That would change this podcast quite a bit. (laughs) <laughs> but yes, it is, it is a question that has confused people for generations, I'm sure. <laughs> I think of weird things, uh, I have to admit. So, um, Which is why we do a reboot podcast. <laughs> Talking again about the mainframe scrolling players, uh, they had the lyrics underneath the, um, the screen scrolling by. And I didn't notice the first time I watched it, but I read it and I did go back and look. The little bouncing ball is scuzzing. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. I didn't see, I didn't notice that, which I guess the first time that that appeared, which this is not reboot related. It's just really cool. Um, uh, knowledge is from the, it started in 1925, uh, in the, my Bonnie lies over the ocean. It's a, yeah. it's a movie with the, with the bouncing ball, which is, you know, all over the place now. Yeah. Uh, less so nowadays than it was, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands where anytime there is anything musical, at least for children, there's, you know, that ball bouncing. My question to you is, did you notice that it was not accurate? What, the words weren't accurate to the song? The the words were right. Just the bouncing ball was always off. I think it was a little ahead most of the time. Honestly, I didn't, because I didn't even notice that it was scuzzy, so... Uh, I wasn't paying too much, too close attention to it, I guess. Yeah, and and it's not like I, I was lagging or anything because I was watching it on the DVD. So I think it was just they didn't seem to care enough to put that much timing into it. You know, on the website that I was watching it on, the, I, the, the it was lagging, so I was probably why I didn't notice because I noticed that the... The, the voice wasn't always matching with uh, it was about half a second off gotcha uh, you know so that's probably why but yeah cool uh, and of course they're 
singing along to the Major General's song from Pirates of Penzance, which I had no idea was from Pirates of Penzance. It's one that you hear a lot and is in a lot of cartoons. Exactly. I um, I just recently watched the Hey Arnold episode where they sing opera. Nice. And uh, I actually decided, I, I mean, because it's, it's one of those, this one was the same as when you're watching that Hey Arnold opera uh, episode. These are all the songs that everybody knows, but you just don't know where they're from. And uh, yeah, so I didn't know that either. Gilbert and Sullivan, Pirates of Penzance. Mm-hmm. Cool. Good. We get to see the place dis- get destroyed. Then we get the black screen where it asks if you want to reboot or restart. And then uh, if you want to restore the system. And the user types yes to both of those. And then we get a beautiful, beautiful sequence of the system coming back online. It really was gorgeous. And you kind of forgot how pretty mainframe was because it's been just so desolate. Mm-hmm. It's just a great full circle moment where we get the full circle because it's shaped in a circle Um, where we get all of mainframe coming back and there's lots of fireworks and pretty colors and just top of the game on their animation in that episode. Agreed. They definitely went out with a bang. Good. this was, and just to, you know, well, I guess we'll talk about that next year, next week. But there are, what, three years in between third and fourth season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, this was made to be the series finale. They yeah. weren't planning on making a fourth season. I'll have to do some research. I'd be very interested in the story of how they went from the third season and decided to do the fourth season. Yes, that would be a good thing for you to do, because I'm busy. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Uh, do you want to go back and rate episodes, or do you got anything more for this? Uh, just another quick thing. Um, we see a sign that says DC's power bar. Uh, DC could possibly be a reference to direct current. I don't know if we have saw this before or not, but yeah. I, I just saw it and made quick note. And then we get Lieutenant Chauncey, who gets cured of megabytes infection by the antivirus program. And he exclaims, oh, great, Norton's ghost. A reference to Peter Norton, the guy who created the Norton antivirus. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So. Have you ever seen the the David, uh, oh, shoot, Baywatch, what's his name? Hasselhoff? Hasselhoff. Have you ever seen the Hasselhoff-Norton commercials? No. Oh, they're brilliant. It's just it's just Hasselhoff and he's like standing there and there's like an oscillating fan and it's supposed to be the, the Norton antivirus and you know, the fan was uh, mussing Hoff's hair and you know, you, nobody messes with Hoff's hair and it's just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous, you know, showing how powerful Norton was. It, it, it's, a, it's worth a YouTube visit. I will definitely check that out. It's, it's so dumb. Cool. Yeah, let's go uh, back and rate the episodes, and then we'll talk season three a bit. You'll never do it, Bob. It's hopeless. I don't believe in the no-win scenario. Okay, so we had Mega Frame, which was the uh, fourth episode and the first in our arc. Dan, what'd you think? I liked it. It was uh, pretty good. Great start off to our little arc here. 
Um, I, I'll have to give it seven firewall ruins. Um, I, I feel bad because when you put Megaframe up against most of season two, um, it's, it's, it's going to far outweigh anything, but it's just, it, it's just compacted into such a large and amazing arc, um, that it's probably going to get a lower score than for me than normal. Uh, so I'm going to give it seven rebel scums. Nice. Cool. And let's move on to Showdown, where we see Matrix fight Megabyte to the pain. What do you think? Um, I, I, I love the fight. I thought Megabyte and, and Matrix pulled it off. I thought the animation was very good. I, you know, they were, we're really moving this arc forward. It's definitely a little bit better than uh, Mega Frame was, so I'm going to give it eight yada yada yadas. Nice. What about you, man? I also liked it. It was pretty good. Um, I agree that it took a bit of a step forward from the last one, although I don't know. It it, it was good. It just I wanted it to be more. I think I'll have to go with. Uh, Seven nullified systems. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, and then we can move into uh, System Crash. Dan, what do you think? System Crash. It's a good episode. A lot of references to the previous episodes. A lot, a lot, a lot of references to previous episodes. And for that reason alone, it's going to jump up to eight near-death confessions. Like what uh, Hack and Slash give to each other as they're about to die. Which was adorable, by the way. I mean, we didn't really talk about it, but that is adorable. Um, I agree. I mean, we talked about how, uh, in all reality, this was kind of a time filler, though it was really cool to see all these episodes come back, and it made you really think of each episode, what happened in those episodes. And I agree with you, Dan. I think the episode itself is probably not all that good and I would probably give it a six but because um, we got to see all, and we got to be nostalgic with it um, I'm going to give it uh, seven stupid Rocky the Raccoons <laughs> nice <laughs> thanks cool and then how did we finish up how was end prog end prog for you Um, you know, it was, it was good. I mean, it's, this is going to be the last episode and they really tried to go out with a bang. They really restarted everything. Um, and it, it, I don't know, it was just, it was kind of, it, it definitely did what it was supposed to do. Um, for that, I'm going to give it, uh, nine song and dance numbers. Nice. I, I'm going to have to agree with you that, you know, it's it's a strong finish, and you can't really ask for a better finish than this. Um, so I'm going to go with a nine DC's power bars. Oh, very good, very good. You can't do this. It goes against everything you stand for. You took away my life, destroyed my home, caused nothing but pain and suffering to everyone I held dear. 
surprised? Don't be. You're not worth it. Mainframe will always endure. Remember this defeat, this humiliation. Remember you can never win. into victory, how I left you with a dying system. All right. Um, yeah, that's the end of season three. So we'll uh, get started on our wrap-ups of that. Uh, we'll start with characters. Joey, who is your favorite main character? Um, I usually like to choose my favorite as a character that grows or, or, or changes. Um, so I, and I was really a toss up between Enzo Matrix. Obviously, he grows and changes an awful lot, and Andrea. And um, I, I settled on Andre Andrea only because she was extremely consistent, and it just seemed like she had a good head on her shoulders, and she kept Matrix focused and motivated enough to finally get back to mainframe and win this epic battle. So I chose Andrea as my favorite main character. Uh, what about you, Dan? Yeah, I mean, the, those two are really the only ones that really count as main characters because they're, they're who we follow once we leave mainframe. And so, like, to choose anyone else, I mean, you could choose uh, Dot, arguably Mouse, but really it's, it's down to... Uh, Matrix and Andrea, and they, I think they both were handled really well in this season. I think you might be right that Andrea was a little bit better, but I'm going to give some love to Matrix because he, he did a lot of really awesome stuff this season. He really did, and I, it was a hard choice to make because I really like both of those characters. Um, what about your worst main character? Um, I, I don't know. I mean... I'll have to say Bob just because we don't see him hardly at all. And once we do, really the only cool thing he does is sit in the core and type on some stuff and then save Mainframe from being destroyed. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> I mean, he did save Mainframe, but it just wasn't with all his usual flair. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have to agree with you on Bob. I, you know, And I've already had my little rant on how I don't think... He's this amazing character that everyone has to look up to. Um, and, you know, he just, like, you're right. He didn't really do a whole lot. I still don't know what this glitch Bob means and what he can do and is that special. And just because of all that ambiguity, I, I chose Bob. Cool. What about uh, secondary cast? What do you got going on there? Secondary cast. I mean, I got to give some love to Captain Gavin Capacitor because, you know, he's, he's awesome. Straight up cool and fantastic. However, I think uh, Mouse is right up there. Would be my uh, runner-up because of all of her firewall work and her hacking and hacking megabytes tear at the last minute to send him into some weird death portal, for lack of a better term. <laughs> That's kind of what it looked like. Um, I have to agree with you. I thought about... Uh, Captain Capacitor, uh, because, you know, we talked about it. Anytime we needed a leader to really come through, he did it every single time, and he sacrificed his ship, his livelihood, 
Um, and the only real excuse that we ever get from him is paying a debt to an old friend. Uh, so, mm -hmm. I mean, he did all of this for that. Uh, but I, I, also, I chose Mouse um, because, you know, she, uh, besides all the obvious things with all her technical know-how and everything she's able to do, the conversation she has with the surfer, you know, when they talk about they could just leave, but she's like, you know, I really, I really just want to stay with these guys. When we first met Mouse, she was all about herself and only herself. And, you know, but she's become such an important member of the team. And uh, so I just really appreciated her growth in that. So I chose Mouse. Good, 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 good. I like it. All right. Least favorite other character. That was hard um, because there was a lot of really good secondary characters. And I'm sure I'm just not thinking of one that I don't like because um, I was only I only thought about Mouse, Surfer and uh, the Capacitor. And out of those three, I had to choose a Surfer. Not that I have anything against him. But I just honestly couldn't think of a secondary cast member. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it's really least favorite as much as not as awesome as everyone else. Yeah. Uh, if we were doing, like, one-off characters, we could easily throw out Rocky the Rabbit Raccoon because he's annoying as bad yeah. words. Really <laughs> uh, <laughs> friendly. Yes. Good. Um, yeah, I could go with Ray Tracer on that. Mostly because we didn't see enough of him for him to really be as awesome as he could have been. Agreed. Agreed. And he has the potential to, we don't really know what, you know, a web surfer can do either. We saw him do a lot of stuff and it was cool. Yeah. Uh, I guess, uh, and then we can move on to games, or excuse me, uh, episodes. Your uh, let's go with games first. Games? What yeah. was your favorite game? Favorite game? Would probably be Toy Racer from uh, Firewall. Ah, yeah, I didn't even think about that. The yeah. Toy Story based one that just really awesome, and we get to see Enzo in a tuxedo. That's true. Um, I chose Malicious Corpses from the first episode because got Michael Jackson, Enzo, you got Priscilla, Dot, you know, Ash from uh, Army of Darkness and Zombies, and yeah, I just thought it was really cool. I chose that one. Good, yeah. Definitely one of the better games. Pretty pretty awesome. And least favorite. I have a feeling we're going to be of <laughs> like mind on this one. I'm sure you won't be surprised uh, that my least favorite game was that Looney Tunes, Whack Rocky, the Raccoon Bullcrap. I did not enjoy him. Yeah, the, the only good part about that game was watching Rocky get killed several times. I did enjoy Enzo as Elmer Fudd, just his head. Uh, but other than that, I didn't care for anything else. Um, it was just you, a really obnoxious episode all around. It was. It was very ham-fisted. So we'll, we'll chalk that up as least favorite and move on to least favorite episode. Ah, oh, least favorite episode. Um, I chose where no sprite has gone before. Um, and I kind of tapped into that this episode. So the, uh, that was the one where they met the Guardians and, and the weird Bob Kirk character and all the terrible Star Trek references and the weird floating nonsense or whatever those, uh, I can't remember what they're called, the, the, the entities that floated around. I don't know. The whole episode, I think, 
really did not do what it could have done. So I chose that one. Gotcha. Mine is very surprising. It is between a raccoon and a hard place. <laughs> that was also bad. I agree. really did not like that episode. <laughs> if there was one episode I could remove from this series, it would be that one. And I probably would have chosen that, but as a Star Trek fan, I was just very disappointed. <laughs> That's fair. As I look back at the uh, past scores, your score for that one was a five, and the one for number seven, the episode after that, was four, which is interesting. Really? I don't even know what number seven was. Uh, it starts off with a golf game. I think it's the one where Enzo is just, like, uh, dreaming the whole thing or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that because it was a whole stupid dream. I remember that now. Yeah, and that's the problem with it is it's not very memorable. Yeah. So. Yeah, good stuff. Um, best episodes. Best episodes. Uh, yeah, go for it. I was just going to say, uh, overall, this was extremely difficult because... You know, we, we had at least two arcs, you know, very defined arcs. Um, and, ne- and none of those episodes, you know, you can you really rate without the whole uh, over-encompassing arc. So I thought it was very difficult. So I kind of made a made it a little easier on myself. And I just went back towards the beginning and I chose Firewall uh, because it was just a brilliant episode. The intro was extremely original. And, you know, like you said, Enzo's in a tux. He had Toy Story references. I mean, it was just a good overall episode. So I chose Firewall. Mm-hmm. And that that is my number one choice. But since you talked about it, I'll just bring up, you know, how good End Prague is. Uh, it's just, again, it, it's it's a near perfect ending to the story arc to the season to the series itself like it's just it wraps up everything so perfectly and it's so well done it deserves a little bit of a shout out i agree that is that is very true that is very true so that should do season season three was an extremely strong season it was the longest season of reboot 16 episodes Mm -hmm. Uh, you know it's just a brilliant i i I, have talked about it before i love arcs over just episodic episodes um so season three was was it for me cool uh what would you rate this season uh shoot um i i think i'm gonna pull a dan and do a 0.5 i'm gonna do 8.5 8.5 respectful uh memories of the saucy mare there you go good peace uh yeah it's it's a really good season um i would have gone with an eight pull a joey and not use a point five uh, <laughs> nice Thanks. yeah i don't know what i would use either i liked i liked memories of the saucy mare that's fine it deserves two respectful memories from the song. there you go so, uh, interestingly enough, our averages for the season, just averaging up all the scores, I had a 7.28 and you had a 7.19. So well, clearly we think the, uh, the show or season is better than we did That's true. on average, which is strange. You know, and looking at our scores, it's almost like we enjoy reboot or something. Yeah. Very strange. <laughs> We should do a podcast about it. I think we should. Cool. We'll we'll talk about that later. Sure. Did you know it was a Canadian television show? 
Really? Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. All right. Um, yeah, there's going to be two more episodes of this first iteration of the Mainframe Chronicle because yeah. we have two mini-movies that they split up into four episodes each. So we've got Damon Rising and My Two Bobs. So next time we'll be discussing the Damon Rising movie. I'm excited because it's... I, 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 I don't know why, but I hardly remember anything about Damon. I, when I remembered... Because again, you know, I, this is the first time I've watched this since I was like six. I remember most of the third season. I remember Grown Up Matrix and Grown Up Andrea. And I remember... I guess maybe they were on reruns more than than the other ones were. I don't, so I have no idea what's coming in in season four. Yeah, it, it'll be exciting. Yeah, and I guess because it was 2001, I probably wasn't watching Reboot at that point at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved out of Canada, so I, maybe that's it. I, so I'm excited. This is completely uncharted territory for me. Go where no Joey has gone before. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be back in a month or so to talk about Damon Rising. Until then, you can check out our other podcasts uh, by clicking on links at our page, which is mainframechronicle.blogspot.com. Those podcasts are the Cinemasters podcast, the Rogue Era podcast, and the Colson Lives podcast, hot off the press. Just yep. started on that one. I uh, I, and I listen to Colson Lives, and it's it's a great podcast. It's a good show to to do that on. So if you're interested in all in Marvel um, and 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 that show, you should definitely check out Colson Lives. Well, I thank you, Joey. No problem. Good endorsement. <laughs> we will put that on our posters. Yeah, I clearly, you know, all my fans and my 56 Twitter followers will all move over to you to listen to that show. You're up to 56 now. I know. I'm pretty, pretty impressed. Awesome. If you'd like to send us feedback, you may do so at that blogspot page. Again, that's uh, mainframechronicle.blogspot.com. Or by sending us an email at mainframechronicle at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We don't do much, but if we had more followers who interacted with us, we would. So that's on you guys as well. Agreed. Uh, as always, you should rate and review us on iTunes and like us on Facebook. We've had some pretty good conversations on the Rogue Arrow Facebook page, so we can get into that too. Let us know what you guys think of a new season or new series, what you're looking forward to and all that stuff. Yeah, let us know what you think. Do you, do you want it to look like it did before? Or would you be upset if they didn't have the same characters? Um you know, Dan and I had a bit of a discussion, and we seem to be in pretty much agreement. But let's hear some other thought process. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Not the definitive voice; we're just a definitive uh, podcast voice on on reboot. So let us know what you think. That is true. We can easily say that we are the best reboot review podcast out there. Heck yes. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, you could follow me on Twitter at Amazing Bass. That's Amazing B A S S. And I am Daniel James. And you can follow me at babykangaroo90, and I am Joey Morris. Uh, Stay frosty, my friend.
This is Mike the TV, coming to you live from the heart of downtown Mainframe. The city has been restored, and all our heroes can take a well-earned break. So, I guess that leaves me in charge. <laughs> hey, 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 where are you going? Wait, wait, there's more, a special offer. For those viewers out there who missed Reboot Season 3 and have idea what's going on. We proudly present, for your appreciation, this cycle only, the marvelous, magnificent, mainframe strolling players! <laughs> Your fear was verified, I wasn't a protector much. I guess our fear was verified, he wasn't a protector much. I guess our fear was verified, he wasn't a protector much. I guess our fear was verified, he wasn't a protector much. It wasn't Enzo's fault at first, he only was a little sprite. At best he was the worst, but then he slowly learned to do it right. And just as he was getting skilled, a game came down, he couldn't win. I thought for sure they'd both be killed first, but then Enzo not again. And just as he was getting skilled, the game came down, he couldn't win. She thought for sure they'd both be killed first, but then Enzo not again. <laughs> I went from game to game, I aged, I grew and lost my innocence. I soon became enraged by each and every bad experience. The sprite you knew was gone, I had become a grim aggressor man. I knew from that point on that I was truly Bob's successor man. The sprite knew was gone, he had become a grim aggressor man. He knew from that point on that he was truly Bob's successor man. <clears throat> I met up with the web riders and took the form of interface. I joined my gun with pirate swords and sailed the seas of cyberspace. And when at last the pair of us were finally reunited, guys, our shouts of joy did blare because we really were delighted, guys. We soon made tracks to mainframe so our friends could reunite with us. We made it back and Megabyte was waiting there to fight with us. When Bob went face to face to face to face with Hexadecimal, his chances for survival shrank from small to infinitesimal. His chances for survival shrank from small to infinitesimal. His chances for survival shrank from small to infinitesimal. His chances for survival shrank from small to infinitesimal. Bob helped her defragment my head while Matrix fought with Megabyte. I thought he'd wind up dead, but Matrix put up a terrific fight. I dreamed of this each lonely night of doing in that virus trash, but just as I had won the fight, he engineered a system crash. I dreamed of this each lonely night of doing in that virus trash, but just as you had won the fight, he engineered a system crash. <clears throat> 
What Megabyte had hoped to do was cause his death to crack us up. I gambled on the user to reboot and thereby back us up. It worked, we all were born anew and rid of things barbaric. And now we're back together, everything's alphanumeric. It's worked, we all were born anew and rid of things barbaric. And now we're back together, everything's alphanumeric. And now we're back together, is an autological media productions podcast please leave us feedback over at mainframechronicle.blogspot.com or by sending us an email at mainframechronicle at gmail.com you may follow us on twitter at mfchronicle and please rate and review us on itunes and like us on facebook if you'd like to check out our other podcasts go to almppodcasts.blogspot.com as always thanks for listening The Emerald Archer, the Battling Bowman, Ali, whatever name you know him by, he is best known as Oliver Queen, the billionaire playboy who was stranded on an island for five years, forcing him to become the Arrow. Join us as we follow his journey to clean up the mess his father helped create in Starling City. I am Daniel James. I'm Chris O'Neill. I'm Laurel Merz. And I'm Rudy Schubach. And you should check out Rogue Arrow Podcast, where we talk about the CW show Arrow. You can find us at roguearrow.blogspot.com or by searching iTunes or Facebook for Rogue Arrow Podcast. The movie game is a game that Rudy and I play where we come up with a starting point and an ending point and we try to get there using the same rules as Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, essentially. More often than not, it just sort of devolves into uh, a vehicle for which you talk about awesome movies. But yeah, that's sort of the, the bare bone structure from, what, from the way I play it. Yes, so Sorry. Rudy, what are we going to be <laughs> starting off with? Uh, we're starting with uh, Drive. So we're going from Drive to Goldfinger. We're going to connect them somehow. You want to start or you want me to start? I'll say we got the movie Drive. We're going to Ryan Gosling just because he's the only one going in the cinema. I guess exactly. <laughs> okay. Ryan Gosling is also in The Notebook. Uh, I don't know The Notebook yeah. either. Uh, wait, awesome. who's in that? Someone, um, Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams, another name I don't know. So maybe Drive uh, is not the best in, place. Oh no, to start. I got this one. Okay, uh, Rachel McAdams was in uh, Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers, awesome. 
Um, that's Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. I think I'll go Vince Vaughn. I feel like he's more okay. connected. Let's go Vince Vaughn to uh, his early work, Swingers. We'll go John Favreau. Uh, so let's go John Favreau to... He was in a bunch of movies. He was in um, I Love You, Man. Pretty much all the Marvel movies. He was. He was in specifically Iron Man. And in Iron Man, there was... Can we go through... Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Yeah, so either of the... We can go through either of the guys who played Colonel James Rhodes. Or we can go through... Robert Downey was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Mm -hmm. With Val Kilmer? Yeah. Val Kilmer was in... Val Kilmer Kilmer was in Batman Forever. Which so was which was Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones, Jones and, and, and Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. Tommy Lee Jones. He's got to have been in a movie that we can go through. A lot of people give us crap because they're like, you should be trying to find the shortest route. And it's like, that's not the point. That's not the point. No, no. <laughs> I mean, this isn't a great example because we're not stopping and talking about all the movies. But right. that's what we normally do. And that's usually what this game is played for. Okay. So... Uh, so we got Tommy Lee Jones. We're gonna go Tommy Lee Jones to what was he? He was in something less modern. We gotta start moving backwards. He was in the Fugitive. Fugitive. Uh, Harrison Ford. Well, that'll get us to um, Harrison Ford exactly. Harrison Ford's uh, an older actor, which means he'll be in movies closer to that time period. Harrison Ford. Right. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh no! Yes, you're right. He played Indy's father, and there you go, Harrison Ford. To Sean Connery through Last Crusade to James Bond Goldfinger. Bam. Awesome. Well, anyway, so that's that's an example of the movie game. (laughs) Yay, we made it. Check out the Cinemasters podcast at thecinemasters.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Cinemasters Podcast.